0: you true sons and daughters. I'm John Miller and this is Locked on Mizzou, your destination for partisan Missouri Tigers football and basketball talk five days a week. And on today's show, as part of the Locked On Podcast Network's promotion of the What If Week here on Locked On, we're going to be doing this throughout the network. Well, we'll have the great What If moments in Missouri history coming up for you. But first, I want to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. And Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. And actually, you know what? Before we get to the what-if stuff, there is some modern Mizzou stuff to talk about and even, well, a little bit of more Freud with the University of Kansas. So let's get to that before we get to the what-if stuff in the following segments, shall we? First of all, it was interesting to see Ryan Horstkamp, who's a Missouri verbal commitment for 2021, got an offer from the Alabama Crimson Tide. Now your first reaction to that might be, oh no, they're going to steal a player from us. But honestly, my first reaction was great, awesome. That sounds like a really good evaluation by Drinkwitz and his staff because obviously anytime Alabama comes in, swoops in late, Tries to get a guy that they want. Well, that means you may again you made an excellent evaluation, and certainly Alabama's had a lot of luck. Well, with a lot of positions over the years, but certainly the tight end position as well. The bottom line is, it sounds like Horst Camp, who's from Washington Missouri, sounds like he is hundred percent committed to Missouri, barring some you know unforeseen circumstances. Who knows what that could be? But a good start. the Missouri recruiting class continues here it looks like and really while you'll see some people will pick nits at this class this seven eight man class that we so far have and say well you know the star rankings are kind of about what they've always been for Missouri and that's a fair point but I think the positive side of this is that Eli Drinkwitz and his staff again are executing their plan They've talked about wanting to recruit the state really hard, recruit the St. Louis area really hard. And so far, they've done exactly that. And frankly, it took, during Barry Odom's first, his first really full recruiting cycle as a head coach, they didn't get a single in-state player in that class. Not one. So that's just a comparison there. Now, to be fair to Coach Odom, Obviously, back in 2017, you're a lot closer to the the 2015 protests, all that stuff. So hopefully, maybe we're getting – maybe this is a sign that, on top of other things, that that whole 2015 period is now more in the rearview mirror than ever. It's getting tinier and tinier and tinier in the horizon on said rearview. I certainly hope so. But regardless, I don't know. To me, this is all positive stuff happening on the football field in the recruiting trails for the Tigers. And it's been mentioned here before, but worth bringing up again, Eli Drinkwitz is now going back to essentially what was Gary Pinkle's recruiting model to some extent. And that's regional versus positional. What I mean by that is Drinkwitz is having his assistant coaches cover specific regions so he'll assign one coach to the Dallas area for instance whereas Barry Odom instead of doing it the way again Gary Pinkle did it much similarly to how Drinkwitz is doing it he did it as a positional thing so he would just send his say his defensive back coach would be the one specifically recruiting all the defensive backs no matter what region they're in listen I understand I understand the argument for both of those methods, and I'm sure you can probably show me a blue blood program that recruits positionally like that as well. But it sure seems so far that the regional method works better for Missouri for whatever reason, whatever reason, excuse me. So yeah, let's keep it going. That's basically what I'm trying to say. Long story short, I like especially focusing on the Dallas area once again, Texas in general, St. Louis, obviously the talent has really improved in St. Louis in recent years. So it all makes sense to me. Again, let's keep it moving. And finally, if you're like me as a fan, you don't really want to follow every single detail of what's happening against Kansas right now. The Kansas basketball program in the NCAA. But you do want a little bit of schadenfreude. Well, guess what? I bit the bullet. And I've done some digging into this whole thing. So I'm going to give you the Cliff's notes of what's happening over in Lawrence right now. Basically, there's this guy by the name of TJ Gasnola who works for Adidas or had worked for Adidas. Essentially, he is what would be commonly referred to as a bag man. For all intents and purposes, TJ is running around paying guys to come to Adidas schools. For instance, he got in touch with Zion Williamson, and apparently Zion's camp got word back that he needed a quarter of a million dollars to play for X, Y, and Z Adidas school. Obviously, we know, we know Zion ended up going to Duke. Probably not for free. That's just my guess. But anyway, let's not focus on Duke right now. The point is, is Kansas now, they're saying, well, none of, this, none of this should be blamed on Kansas because this is essentially their defense. They're saying that this Gasnola guy, he's a scumbag. He's basically Lucky Luciano of sports. And yet, despite all of that fact, Kansas did absolutely nothing, the administration, to keep this guy away from their program. And there's a really simple reason for that. Bill Self wanted him around the program. That's clear. So to act like Kansas can just Wash their hands of this and pretend that, oh, well, we weren't part of any of this. We weren't ordering Gas Nola to do anything. He was just procuring recruits for Adidas schools in general, of which Kansas just happens to be one of them. Well, I'm sorry, that is just complete nonsense. It doesn't pass the smell test. And the idea that Bill Self wasn't directing Gas Nola directly to do things on behalf of Kansas. Well, that whole notion is really destroyed, honestly, by the text messages, those exchanges that you can see on the internet between Gasnola and Bill Self. It's, it's really impossible to believe that Kansas didn't have any direct knowledge or didn't direct to anyone in any direct way, particularly in, in, in the person of T.J. Gasnola. I mean, really? If the NCAA, if they let Kansas get away with this, and meanwhile Missouri got its bowl ban last year for a, a rogue recruit, well, I'm sorry, you can't accept the rogue TJ Gasnola Adidas bagman argument either. That that makes no logical consistency, makes no consistent logical sense whatsoever. I'm sorry, it just doesn't. So NCAA, step up, be fair. And kill the Kansas program forever. That's the only fair thing to do, obviously. And you know what? Speaking of Bill Self, well, there's a name who could come up in a what-if scenario for the University of Missouri, huh? And we're going to get to those what-if scenarios in not only this episode, but probably the next one as well. But first, I got to tell you guys about Built Bar. So I'm not going to lie to you guys. I was looking in the mirror yesterday. And I was kind of looking a little bit soft. It's time for me to get back on the old diet and exercise horse. Got to cut out the beer, cut out the French fries. But you know what? You still got to feed that sweet tooth every once in a while, which is why Built Bar is perfect, to be honest, because it's, again, a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. You've got nut flavors. You've got non-nut flavors. But regardless, they're all covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And of course they're great for the health conscious guy like myself. Again, my favorite's gotta be the peanut butter brownie, twenty grams of protein, hundred and seventy calories, three grams three grams of sugar, and just three grams of net carbs. Tough to go wrong there. So go to buildbar.com and use promo code locked on and you'll get ten dollars off your first order. Again, use promo code locked on. That's one word locked on for ten dollars off. At buildbar.com. Well, I hate to say it, I I did tease the Bill Self what if, and we're definitely, definitely going to get there. But boy, I've realized doing my research for these what ifs, there are so many what ifs in Mizzou history. We're probably going to have to push that particular one off into another episode because, well, I've decided to just kind of formally, informally, I should say, divide these what ifs. Into truly program changing what ifs. I think we'll push those off until the next episode, but there's so many of them. I'm now going, I'm going to just informally call these, yeah, they would have been awesome if they went the other way moments, but didn't really change the program, that type of deal. There's no good acronym for that, but regardless, let's just get to these what if moments now. First of all, remember when Nebraska and Colorado move to the Big Ten? Well, of course you do. And you probably remember that the heavy, heavy rumor when Nebraska initially left that it was Missouri who was going to be joining the Huskers in the Big Ten and not Colorado. So the question is obvious. What if Missouri had landed in the Big Ten instead? Well, frankly, this is a massive question. Without question would have program-changing ramifications, but the reason I'm putting it here is because I think the Big Ten, we've come to realize that whole scenario was maybe not as realistic as we were initially led to believe. Missouri never actually had a formal offer to go to the Big Ten. That's just, from all indications I've ever heard, that's absolutely true, despite what Jay Nixon may or may not have believed at the time. I mean, honestly, when you think about the last 10 years, basically all of it changes in so many ways if indeed... Under this scenario, Missouri goes to the Big Ten, but I don't know. I guess for me, the biggest what-if under that scenario would be how would that change things for the famous 2013 football team? And Honestly, I'm not so sure it would change that much. I think you look at Ohio State that season, they were as good or better as certainly anybody Missouri was going to play that year, maybe even about almost as good as Alabama that season, who Missouri lost to Well, actually, I'm sorry, think of a different year. They lost to Auburn, but regardless, yeah, they're about as good as Auburn or Alabama that year, Ohio State I'm talking about. So I have a feeling Missouri obviously still has a great 12-win type 2013 campaign if they're in the Big Ten, but I don't think they win the conference or anything. I don't think they're better than Ohio State. So maybe nothing really changes that much, to be honest, at least in that very small way. There's also a couple famous games from the 90s, football games, that if they would have went the other way, I'm not so sure that anything changes whatsoever for Missouri other than maybe their fans have a bit less of a a we-have-a-horrible-luck complex. And, of course, that would be the fifth down and the flea kicker, the 97 Nebraska Matt Davidson reception. And, yes, obviously, it would have been great to win that game in 97- rush the field, take down the Huskers. Obviously, the biggest what-if, maybe that they wouldn't have been the co-national champions. So if you're Nebraska, it's an even bigger what-if for you than Missouri, quite honestly. Because, yeah, while that would have helped, who knows? Maybe that recruiting momentum, maybe you could have gotten an extra guy or two out of that that you wanted. Who knows? But ultimately, I think that 98 season ends up basically being really similar. And then Probably the the fall off with recruiting and just whatever happened at the end of the Larry Smith era in 99 and 2000, I don't really see any of that changing just because Mizzou won that 97 Nebraska game. I really don't. And certainly I think that's even more true for the Bob Stull era. You know, just one game against, again, another team that went on to win the national championship, So this is a bigger what-if for Colorado. If anything, I should be having a crossover episode with those guys over at Locked On Buffaloes, if that show exists. But seriously, again, the Bob Stall era was going to – I think it was going to be what it was going to be regardless of what happens with that play. So ultimately, not the worst thing that ever happened in Mizzou history, but we sure could have lived without it, right? by the way, since I brought up the 2013 football team and Ohio State, well, that brings Ezekiel Elliott to mind, doesn't it? And a lot of people thought Ezekiel Elliott was a strong Missouri lean at one point. His father, Stacy Elliott, played for the Tigers back in the day, but obviously ends up being a Buckeye. And I guess the what-if scenario is, does, that, does Ezekiel Elliott, who's obviously one of the top running backs in the NFL, what does he do for that 2013 Missouri squad? Now, if you just look at the simple rushing S&P Plus, well, maybe that isn't that simple, but basically you look at team rushing success in 2013 on FootballOutsiders.com, and Missouri was 26th in the country while Ohio State was number one. Now, you might say the offensive line of Ohio State might make a a large chunk of that difference and, and perhaps you're right, but I suspect that may not be the case as much as you might imagine, because that Missouri that offensive line has four guys who had at least a cup of coffee in the NFL and three of them are definitely still active off the top of my head, very much so. So as good as Henry Josie was that season, maybe Ezekiel Elliott makes a difference. And especially in the passing game, Elliot is such a good option too, but Honestly, ultimately, I think again that still is probably a twelve-win Missouri team. Generally, running backs aren't going to make that much of a difference in your win-loss total. And speaking of running backs, well, another classic: what if? What if Tony Van Zandt, who was a time, who was at the time ranked the number one player in high school football by some, if he doesn't get hurt in a high school all-star game before he even steps foot on a Missouri campus. And again, as as much as I would have loved to look back and see the great moments of Tony Van Zant as a stud running back for Missouri, I, I'm still not convinced that a running back, again, would have changed the program, the outcomes of any seasons in any sort of major way that, oh, well, in retrospect... Hey Woody Woodenhofer, well he would have he would have set the world on fire if he had Tony Van Zant. I'm sorry, I just think that that program at the time had way too many problems that really were off the field in some ways. But just the mid 80s, late 80s Tigers, we needed more than a stud running back to turn that program around and return to the glory days of the 1960s. That's for sure. And you know what? We'll have more Missouri what if scenarios. Coming right up. I had some people on Twitter, at LockedOnMizzou, tweet me and say, well, what if DGB, what if he doesn't lose his mind? What if he doesn't skid off the tracks? Well, I'd say that we definitely would have gotten the 2014 season out of Doriel Green Beckham, and probably that's it, right? He probably heads to the NFL after that season. But if you really look at the 2014 season – Clearly DGB would have been a helpful player, but Missouri lost one close game at home to Indiana 31-27. to I could have seen DGB making a difference there, clearly. But the rest of those games, the other two games, well, Missouri lost 34 to nothing to Georgia. Clearly Doriel Green-Beckham was not going to be tackling Nick Chubb on that day, so I'm not seeing a difference there. And Finally the SEC title game against number 1 Alabama we lost 42 to 13. So again way too much of a spread there. On the other hand, with one more victory, Missouri probably gets a little bit better of a bowl game than the Citrus Bowl on January 1st. Not a bad bowl game by any means. Missouri ended up taking down number 25 Minnesota 33 to 17, but ultimately not that big of a what-if for me. It would have been fun to see one more year of DGB, but with the benefit of hindsight, not the biggest deal in the world. However, 2008 was a season that isn't thought about maybe as much as 2007, but really that team was just about as good. They really were. They were two plays away from being 11-1. and one. Really, they get a stop against Kansas. One play or two goes right against Oklahoma State. And you're looking at 11-1 team, and well, the difference would be, and is instead of playing Oklahoma in Arrowhead Stadium, Missouri would have played Texas then in the Big 12 championship game. But of course, if you remember that game as I do, I was actually in Austin for it, the regular season meeting between Missouri and Texas. Well, Texas stomped the Tigers. Pretty convincingly, let's be honest. So I'm not seeing any major changes other than, well, eleven and one definitely looks a heck of a lot better than nine and three. So we'll take that. And when Missouri would obviously have been playing in a much better bowl game than the Alamo Bowl, so against Northwestern, so that's a huge difference there. It really is. Just wanted to point out that certainly we weren't going to win the Big Twelve, in my opinion, by beating Texas or winning the national championship or anything. But yeah, those two plays could we have possibly snuck into a New Year's Day bowl or a not a, not just a New Year's Day bowl, but a one of the big bowls, the Sugar Bowl, the Orange Bowl, something like that. Yeah, I could see that happening for sure. And you know what? Speaking of the Orange Bowl, nineteen sixty, what happens? If, if the AP takes a poll after the 1960 bowl season, well, this is probably the simplest one to answer. Missouri probably is declared the AP national champion. It's really as simple as that. But unfortunately for the Tigers, timing is everything. And the poll was taken before these bowls were played. So no national title for your Missouri. Boo-hoo. Life sucks for us sometimes. And finally, since I realize I'm running short on time here, we haven't even gotten to any basketball what-ifs here. So, yeah, there's going to be more what-ifs to come this week. Got to close one out. About that 2007 season that I just previously mentioned, the 2007 football campaign. Well, obviously Missouri had two losses to that season. Both were to Oklahoma, once in Norman and once in the Big 12 championship game. And there's a really good what-if at the beginning of the fourth quarter of that game. Missouri is leading the ball game 24-23 to early in the fourth quarter. And Pig Brown has a Sam Bradford pass hit him right in the hands. I mean, he really, really easily could have picked that pass off. I think he lost it in the lights, possibly something like that. Now listen, Pig Brown was tremendous in this season. I'm not trying to throw any any slander on his name whatsoever. This is just about hypothetical scenarios, right? So let's say Pig does catch that ball. Let's assume he catches that ball, takes a knee for a touchback. Well, Missouri then has the ball on its 20-yard line, one-point lead with about 14 minutes left. Considering the way Missouri's offense had gotten rolling at that point, there's a good chance they go down and score. And hey, let's say just magically, let's say Missouri holds on to win that game. Honestly, when I was watching it, I, I felt like we were kind of holding on by, by a thread a little bit at times. But, again, like I said, though, the offense started going, so I, I definitely could have seen a scenario where Missouri wins that game if a couple bounces go here and there. Certainly if, if Chase Daniel and Macklin, if there's not that miscommunication where Macklin thought it was going to be a handoff on the speed, the speed sweep, And Macklin thought it was a fake. Well, that ended up in a fumble turnover ball game, essentially. But the deal is, even if Missouri wins that game, they still have to beat Oklahoma again in the Big 12 championship game. And it's just hard to see them winning that game twice. It really is. Obviously, Missouri was definitely – they had a better chance down in Norman when they played in the Big 12 title game. Not so close. It really wasn't. The the better team definitely won. So I can't say that for sure, by any means, Missouri would have won that game. But let's do one more hypothetical. Let's say that if Missouri had beaten Oklahoma, let's say the first game in Norman remains a loss, but maybe Martin Rucker, that ball that hit him in the hands and went for an interception. Maybe that ball's caught and somehow things go, momentum goes in Missouri's fashion, and they end up your Big 12 champions. Well, not only if that happens, not only do I believe that they would have been Big 12 champions, they likely would have played Ohio State for the national championship, and quite honestly, I think Missouri wins that game. I think the 2007 Tigers were better than the Ohio State Buckeyes that season. I really do. So there you go. We were one game away from a national championship, folks. It's about as good of a what-if as I'm going to get for you today, but you know what? Next time, we'll have to actually get to some basketball and, what, and again, what are, in my opinion, the biggest program-changing what-ifs in both football and basketball history. And be sure to check out Locked On, the SEC, to see what kind of what-if scenarios Blake Lovell concocts on his fabulous show. So until next time, I'm John Miller, and this has been... Locked on Mizzou.